This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, we're pumped to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Haaland, Zlatan, Messi, Repino, and many more, each episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the SteelerNation.com podcast episode and listen to Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jeff Reed, and you are listening to SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome back to your SteelerNation.com podcast. I am your host, G Striker, with Hunter Homestek from Homestek.com, and we are getting back into the second half of our conversation that ran long from yesterday. And today, we will be highlighting the top 10 picks. So, with no further ado, here we go with your podcast. So let's move on to Steelers time, Steelers stuff, and we're going to do what we love to do the most at, on the vidcast is go over top 10 lists. Woo! <laughs> so coming back over to SteelerNation.com, uh, we're going to start off with Matt Papiernik's article, and his is ranking the top 10 running backs in Steeler history. Ooh. Nice. There's a nice cluster at the top. Got to be. Going to be a fun discussion at the yes, top. Yes, it is. So we'll start off with number number ten. Oh, that's one of my one of my personal favorites, and also somebody I personally got got the pleasure to sit down and talk with on a podcast. Yep. Merrill Hodge. I mean, he was uh, he was one of the, he was technically a halfback, but utilized as a fullback a lot. Yep. And um, actually was the first real lawsuit from concussions starting the entire CTE investigation. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Coming off that bounty gate talk, kind of funny to start off in Merrill Hodge. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But I mean, but he was, a, he was a, a guy that always stuck his head down in the pile, got those grind yardage, you know, he, he just did a lot for the Steelers. Still had the ability to go out and catch some passes with his hands too. Yeah. Um, but he, he was a big part of that team that was, uh, the Steelers teams that were just starting to make the play playoffs again at the end of the eighties with uh, Bubby Brister at quarterback and just kind of re-identifying themselves as a team that can actually succeed in the playoffs. Yeah. Hodge was a huge part of that team. For sure. Yeah. Good way Number to start nine. off the list. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good start. Number nine, Rashard right. Mendenhall, big draft pick played in the Super Bowl. He doesn't, honestly, I don't think he gets a lot of the credit that he normally deserves, but that big fumble, a lot of Steeler fans know it's still in their mind from the Super Bowl because uh, that was a huge turnover and turning point of that game. But what are your thoughts on Mendenhall? 
Yeah, he, like you said, people remember the fumble for sure, but they forget that the Steelers would not have made the Super Bowl at all without Richard Mendenhall. He's very good in those playoffs, and he's a very good player in general, but people remember the fumbles, the Richard spin and fall, all the jokes about him. I I get that, but he he was good, man. He really was. He uh, probably deserves number nine on this list. I'm trying to think of who else should be coming, but – the Steelers, it's kind of funny talking about the Steelers running backs. There's, it's a super top-heavy list. I know the top five is going to be like aces, and the rest is like, eh. Well, well I, I, know, I know two that are going to be old, old-timers, like guys yeah, yeah. that were on this, t- on this team making uh, Hall of Fames before they became right. 70s. Yeah, now. right, right. So, but we'll get to those. It'll be interesting to see where they're, where they're listed in. And yep. the one was, the, uh, was not only a running back, but the coach forever on our team. Yes. Uh, as a running back coach, if some of your Steelers might remember that name, but when we get there to it, I'm pretty sure it's going to be on this list. I haven't yeah. seen the list yet, honestly, to Hunter. I wanted it to be a surprise. Like, nice. Know, yeah. So I, I did not read this one early. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to think of one, two, three, how that's going to yeah. go. I'm really excited to see that. And that's the, the big coach, there Dick Oak. Not yep. only did he play from 61 to 70, he was our – he was our running backs coach up through Bettis. Yep. Um, in, in, all through the 70s teams, 80s teams, into the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, the guy was on our roster forever through three head coaches. I mean, that was just – that's an insane accomplishment for a position coach. But not only that, he was an amazing running back as well. It says a lot about what they thought of him to keep him around that long. I mean, that's a huge honor, especially for a team like the Steelers who don't have turnover. You know, you got to – you earn it. And once you're a Steeler, man, you're a Steeler for life. So, clearly, they loved what Dick Hoke embodied. Like you said, more known as a coach than a player, but for sure deserves a spot on this list because, like like I kind of alluded to earlier, there's not a ton of depth with Steelers running backs. There are some good surprises for sure. Yeah. But but the depth really isn't that crazy. So, Dick Hoke at eight, yeah, for sure. He definitely deserves to be on that list in my mind. Um, I know the, the Hall of Famers will be coming up here soon, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the top three. But Dick is a great choice and a great man, too. Uh, next one. Oh. Here's the first Hall of Famer, John Henry uh, Johnson. That's too low. Come on, man. That is. I honestly think it's too low. But I've got his helmet right here nice. his signature right behind me. That's beautiful. That's my old school Steelers number helmets. John Henry Johnson, hell, hell of a running back. And one Absolutely. All time favorite old school players. Maybe the last Steeler to lead the league in rushing, too. I'm not sure. Is that a, really? is that a fact? It feels like a fact. That, anyway, I'm not sure. I'm really an, not sure. Yeah. That's an interesting point because I, yeah, I remember Foster had that monster year and he was beat out by like a yard by yeah. like Emmett Smith that year. Yep. And um, Bettis was always high, but I don't think he ever led the league. I don't think he ever led the league. Because Franco was playing with, um, you know, OJ Simpson at the time and Campbell and, and, Taylor yeah. Brown. I mean, these these are guys that were always leading the league in rushing. Yeah, John Henry Johnson had one of the most interesting careers, though. Definitely worth looking into if you're not familiar with him. He came, he went to the CFL first because they paid him more, even though the Steelers drafted him in like the second round. By the time he actually got back to the Steelers, the dude was like 87 years old and, <laughs> said, and was still lighting it up. Like he he was just a beast, longevity wise. He he was a really interesting character. He, he was like third in his late or early 30s, I mean, when he came back. Whenever a lot of people thought he was declining, and then he came to the Steelers and just started lighting it up again. So definitely worthy of the Hall of Fame and definitely worthy of some research if you're not super yeah. familiar with him. And, and here, just reading this, I mean, 
this is a really interesting thing. He played in the CFL for one year because they gave him more money than the NFL. Yeah. He, he was the league's MVP as both an offensive and defensive star. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's a hell of a football player. And I mean, obviously he focused on being a running back in the NFL, but three consecutive pro bowls in Pittsburgh, oldest running back over a thousand yards yeah. uh, at the age of 35. And also oldest <laughs> running back to get over 200 yards in a game. That's crazy. Uh, he did so at 34 against the Browns <laughs> in which he outdueled Jim Brown. Oh, what, I, a, what, a, what a neat, neat, neat thing. That's a so, decent, decent feather in your cap to outduel Jim Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody was outdueling Jim Brown back then. He was the cream no. of the crop. Absolutely. Running back class. But there's a reason Steeler fans go back and look up some uh, old, or read up on John Henry Johnson because he was just an amazing player. For sure. Uh, next, uh, number six, I, I accidentally cl- clipped down below it. I didn't see it, but we'll see. Barry Foster, who we just talked about. There you go. Um, yeah. Nearly led the league in rushing the one year, but – he was one of those – actually, he was kind of like an Emmett Smith runner. He was mm-hmm. between the tackles, ran hard, uh, had enough wiggle to get open, not really much of a pass catcher, but could run the screens, could run the swings, circle routes. Um, did you ever see Barry Foster run, or are you familiar with him? Very briefly, for sure. I mean, I, I've gone back and watched highlights, but as far as seeing him live, not really. I was still too young at that point, but – Obviously, he had the monster year that everybody knows. Just a super short career. He has kind of a weird career. Yeah. For me, he's too high on this list. I certainly can't put him over a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I'm with you there. I, I definitely yeah. would have uh, John Henry Johnson over Barry. I, I have John For Henry sure. Johnson in the top five no matter what. For and sure. I, and now, yeah, now if we're talking individual seasons, you can go with Barry's monster Correct. season and put yeah. it way up there. But as far as a career, it was not Which, all that. A little disappointing. But I remember it was right around 1650 in yardage that year. Yeah. And he still got outran by a couple yards by Emmett Smith. Hey, so, <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's I mean, Emmett Smith. The all-time rushing leader of the NFL. I mean, hey, uh, it's running a behind, conversation to be in. Yeah, running behind the best offensive line ever is a decent yes. place to be. Yeah, it is. So number five on the list. So now we ten, see we're very far. Hey, okay. Liar. I cannot be disappointed with a man that served in Vietnam, was told he might not even walk again, came back and became an incredible part of that three-headed rushing attack with Frenchy Fuqua. And, of course, the guy is probably going to be around one or two. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll mention here soon. But uh, that rushing attack was phenomenal. And he had one of the biggest catches ever, ever when he yep. showed he could jump out of the stadium to reach up and catch that football in the Super Bowl to help us help him win a game. Yeah. Unreal story, unreal stealer. I mean, this this is a merited pick right here at number five. It may seem high if you just look at stats and everything. He was never the man in Pittsburgh. He's always kind of overshadowed by Franco for sure. But as far as what he represented for the team, you talk about a perfect 70s Steeler for those teams just a tough grizzly dude is not afraid to get hurt not afraid to do whatever it takes to win Rocky Blair and still very vocal with the team still out there in the media still doing his thing I mean Rocky Blair is the man to this day and I had a great great podcast with Rocky Blair as well guys go to SteelerNation.com podcast sites and check that out he was a that guy's just so fun to talk to because he will talk about anything and he is so opinionated on the Steelers. He's is, passionate. He's a he, passionate guy. That's what I love. He is not only like, you know, a player and a team leader, but he is a fanatic as well. And it's yeah. just so Absolutely. Fun to talk to a guy like that too, that still sits back on Sunday, cracks a beer and watches the Steelers play. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Here we go. So, yeah, here now we we're going to start getting into some big names here. And then number four might be a guy that played in a couple Super Bowls for us. We'll see. I yep. think it is, yeah. Billy Parker. It's got to be. <laughs> Super Bowl XL. Now, the one interesting stat on Willie Parker that I remember is he was undefeated in the playoffs as a starter. Oh, it wasn't until he was backing up Mendenhall that they lost, huh? Yes. Yeah, Interesting. Well, yeah, I don't know if he's even on the team when Menden – was he on the team when Mendenhall was there? I think so. I thought he already left Briefly. Washington that year. Briefly. I'm not sure. We'll have to yeah, run it I'm back. I'm not positive. I'm not positive. <laughs> so, until 2009, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he def yes, you're right. He was with Mendenhall because um, – 2008 was well 2010 was Mendenhall in the Super Bowl so yeah, yeah. 09 I think right before that. Mendenhall so you're okay right. there you're we go Mendenhall for a year we'll get there yeah yep. <laughs> this is, this is good but, on the list I agree I agree with the slotting I'll say that yes and fast Willie Parker I mean that was an awesome story as well he was a guy that we're talking about those players that come in that 75 to 90 in training camp yeah. He was an undrafted rookie free agent out of North Carolina that had zero stats. Yeah, yeah. Like, he rarely played in Carolina, but one of the Rooney's relatives said, you got to give this guy a look because when he gets on the field, he's amazing. And what the thing call. was with, with him in Carolina, he got screwed. I think they changed coaches three times. Wow. So he was only featured once, and he was a monster when he was featured, and they're like, well, you're too fast. We want bruisers or – we went wow. something else, went a different direction. But, you know, college football's loss was the Steelers' gain. The guy was an incredible back for the Steelers. He had that – he had those huge – I think he set the Steelers' single-game record in, against the Cleveland Browns when he put up, like, 247. Uh, Sounds right. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking back. And they kept running that same play with um, – who is our oh, – freaking our Hall of Fame uh, – Alan Fanica, left oh. guard. Should be all up the right side. He'd get 20 yards off of it every play. And Easy. they ran it the entire game. And it was just such a – it was so degrading for, you know, Cleveland Browns fans to have to watch because you know it's coming. They don't even have to pass the ball. It's like yeah. old school football. We're just going to beat you by running the football all day. And they did. Sometimes that's all you have to do. But I like hearing about a guy with a weird college career – breakaway yep. speed that comes to the Steelers and lights it up. Are we talking about Willie Parker or Anthony McFarland here? I, know, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a great point too, because I was going to stay, even though you just said it, yeah. Anthony McFarland is probably the fastest running back we've had on the roster since Willie Parker, For you know, sure. aside from those mini scat backs that they tried to. Draft. Yes. I was going to say, let's, th let's throw yeah. away Chris Rainey and Dre Archer from yes. the conversation. Those For are sure. away because they aren't, weren't really running backs. Yeah. So, now we're getting to the big three. All right. Okay. So I know number three's got to be for the wall scroll. It's got to be though. Yeah. Le'Veon yeah. Bell. Yeah. And, and see, I mean, obviously he's. I know he left on a bad note. A lot of sour taste in the Steelers' mouth. But to as far as probably being the most talented receiver and running back, complete back and blocking third down back. I mean, mm -hmm. he was probably the most complete running back the Steelers have ha had in all three of those phases you will get zero disagreement from me on that front <laughs> I think he's the most talented running back to ever play for the Steelers for sure people somehow forget how good he was you yeah. definitely need to go rewatch some Le'Veon Bell tape if like you said you have a sour taste in your mouth about Le'Veon just just go watch some of that tape and, and it, the, yeah yeah but the thing with him too like he was sneaky good 
Like, oh, I'd, yeah. sit, I'd sit there watching a game of Le'Veon Bell, and we get to the fourth quarter, and they're like, Le'Veon Bell, 125 yards rushing. I'm like, yeah. how the hell did he rip off 125 yards rushing? Because yeah. as Steeler fans, we're used to, like, that running back ripping off one big 30 to 40-yard play. Mm-hmm. And Le'Veon rarely ripped off a play over 25 yards. Yep. But, I mean, when he's ripping off plays, it's seven yards, 10 yards, 12 yards, five yards, six yards. And it's just constant. He's constantly moving forward, constantly gaining that yardage with his wiggle and with his power. So it was it was weird to watch him play, but it was but he really did bring a lot to the Steelers offense. And those were the the best offenses the Steelers have ever had statistically was when Le'Veon Bell was the running back. Yeah, for sure, man. And they he was just a super interesting runner to watch, just his style. You know, that patience. I know the buzzword of patience with Le'Veon Bell, but he yeah. really was. His style was so interesting. And he was kind of like, along with Matt Forte, I feel like these running backs that were really reinventing what kind of receiver a running back could be because he – I mean, Le'Veon explicitly said how he wanted to get paid like a receiver. If he's going to catch 80 passes a year, you know, I'm a receiver then. But uh, yeah. it – I love what Le'Veon Bell brought to the team and his skill set. The way he was – he was very much, in my mind, ahead of the curve as far as where running backs were going. So, yeah. the Steelers – Steelers got a gem there. Yeah, you're right. They they re they reshaped what it was to be the running back position being, yeah. um, you know, a, a very – because you had some running backs that were great receivers but not as good at being a running back. Um, but this was the first time they were great at being a running back and great at re- being a receiver. And even talking about like Le'Veon wanted to being paid as a receiver. I've always envisioned like this guy being able to extend his career to become a slot receiver. In this yeah, league. that's how sure. good he is at route running and getting off the line of scrimmage. Which is insane to say because he was a three down back. Like you said, he, yeah. he's maybe yeah. one of the last like 25 to 30 carry a game running backs that the Steelers ever have because of the way the game's shifting. You just don't see that anymore. So to have a guy who we talk about as a realistic slot receiver, I definitely feel like Le'Veon could do that. But he also a third down back. Like, that's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So now number two. We, we know they're number two. One and two. We got two Hall of Famers coming up because we're Steeler fans. We know our guys. I hope. So, you know, I, I know who it should be. I know, yeah, you yeah. know. But, but this one, it's like when we just did the cornerbacks. It's like. You can't go wrong with who is number one and who is number two. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, absolutely. But, but, you know, number two, let's see who it is. Drum roll. We got Jerome Bettis, the boss. Cool. cool. You know, honestly, Hall of Famer, awesome story. The Steelers being able to, to bring that kind of talent in for either a third or a fourth round pick from, uh, from the uh, at the time, the St. Louis Rams to become – just the player that Bill Cower needed to yep. close games. You know, that was one of his little known nicknames was the closer because yep. when Bettis got on the field, he was salting that clock because nobody could stop him. For sure. Warm up the bus. That warm up the bus chant took on a different meaning with him <laughs> for sure. I mean, this is, this is the right call for me on the list. I mean, like you said, he came from the Rams, did a lot of work with the Rams actually. So the fact that he wasn't a lifelong stealer kind of, puts him down a notch if we're doing a Steelers list Good for point. sure for me. And, and similar similar to Rod Woodson, you know, I, I still think Rod Woodson should be number one, but especially yeah. when you go to the Ravens, yeah, I, we'll hold that Good against point. you in a discussion. I, I, I understand the fan perspective on that. <laughs> exactly. So there is that. And plus, I simply think number one was actually a better running back than the bus too, as much as people may not like to yeah. hear that. But yeah. uh, 
obviously the bus should be number two in my and mind. Nothing more perfect too than the arc of his career because even though he didn't start off as a Steeler, as a Steeler fan, you felt his passion, you felt his love for the team and the fans. Yeah. And you knew he was working hard every single day, even when he was hurt at the end of his career. Yep. Couldn't walk on Monday. By Sunday, he was out there doing the short yardage and getting those touchdowns for us. Yep. And, you know, nothing could make me happier as a fan than to watch him end his career in his hometown of Detroit as a Super Bowl champion. Unreal storybook ending for his <laughs> career. And like you said, a, a dude who deserved it. To this day, he's a great ambassador for the Steelers. Uh, even though, you know, I said about him starting his career with the Rams, even though he wasn't a lifelong Steeler, he certainly feels like it. Like yeah. when you think of Jerome Bettis, you don't think of a Rams jersey. You think of a black and gold Steelers, yeah. you know. So the bus, great dude, earned this spot on the list for running over Brian Urlacher alone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also – ended up I think number five all time on the rushing list when he retired and yeah one, something like that one point for one week he was number four nice <laughs> it was always it was always him and um was it Curtis, Curtis Martin, Martin? yeah Curtis Martin yeah they were like always like that and Curtis Martin doesn't get as much respect around the league as he does too not nearly enough. bad teams but yeah, that yeah. guy was just he was an absolute monster as well and very Bettis esque I'd You're say right. with the ability to to churn out that short, that, you know, grind out those tough yards, three yards in a cloud of dust every time. Extremely low key. Like you were saying about Le'Veon Bell, the game would be over and you'd be like, Oh, Curtis Martin had 140 yards. How did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) And then that brings us to number one. Everybody knows him started the first was the reason for the first playoff win in Steelers history in 1972. Franco Harris. Yep. Yep. This is the pick. This is number one. Whenever you announce the list, I'm like, please, you, you just got to have Franco number one. I know it's a big debate between him and the bus, but they're slightly different levels. Both clearly Hall of Fame players, but Franco, we're talking about Super Bowl MVP, yep. you know, multiple time all pro, pro bowler, just insane talent. Also, a decent receiving back for sure. Doesn't get, yep. that wasn't really a thing as much back then, but he could do yep. it. Yep. And one thing that gets forgotten, I feel like a little bit, is the Super Bowl MVP year. That whole playoff run was Franco Harris. Like the entire playoff run was run through Franco. They absolutely yep. do not win the Super Bowl without Franco Harris that year. So, oh, at, wow. and the bus is Super Bowl. All due respect to the bus and everything he did, but that was obviously his last year in the league. He was essentially the goal line back at that point. He wasn't the integral part of the offense like Franco Harris was for so long. So. Franco's got to be number one. Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point, too, because, you, you know, Willie Parker ripped off the longest run in Super Bowl history with that 75-yarder yep. in the same game. But, yeah, but Franco, four Super Bowls, obviously in two different eras. He was, he was the load-bearing running back for his first, you know, five, six years um, because it was a running league. And yep. teams needed two, three running backs to move the football forward. Then the rules came out with the blunt rule, and then it became a passing league. And then – Terry Bradshaw showed and he could throw the ball and Franco Harris could catch it. So, yep. but, but just that, that one stat that I'm looking down here, nine consecutive seasons being a pro bowler. Wow. That That's is, impressive. It's difficult for a running back to be that durable mm-hmm. to put that kind of number of seasons in a row to earn 
the Pro Bowl for nine straight years, especially with how rugged the game was back then. Yeah, and especially with a defense like the Steelers, it's, it's not like they were in shootouts. You know what I mean? It, it was that the offense was run through Franco. He was getting the carries and taking the abuse to, to burn the clock and manage the clock and everything. So that's, that's an unreal stat, man. That's When you've got that kind of longevity plus the talent, Franco is unquestionably number one to me. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, Blue Wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. And now we've got our last list of the day. What we got? The top 10 defensive linemen in Steeler history. Oh, my. By our writer, Sean McGowan. Sean, thank you very much for giving us one more list to talk about on this Vidcast podcast <laughs> for SteelerNation.com. And... Obviously, there's a ton of talent on defensive line, and I think this is probably one of the toughest top ten lists to do yeah. as far as for how much talent the Steelers have. Are they going to have all four of the Iron Curtain plus all the defensive linemen all the way up through where we have some monsters now with Tewitt and Hayward? And so Joel Steed, you know, and, and freaking uh, um, Casey Hampton. So I'm sure we're going to see a lot of these names here coming down through. But number ten, let's see what it is. Number 10, Stephon Tewitt. Now, that is an interesting play. So, like, we both know he's an amazing uh, talent when he's in. Obviously, injury being one of the toughest things that are really holding him back from being uh, higher on the list. But also, still, he's only been around since 2014. He's still young. He can move up the list. Who knows? He he has time to still prove what – he really is. I still feel that Steelers haven't seen it yet. You know, through six games last year, I think he was the best player on that defense last yeah. year. He was Agreed. yeah, absolute machine, which is saying something on that defense last year too. Um, to it has to stay healthy. It has to prove it. I'm not questioning the dude's talent at all. This is very much like on the running back list, talking about Le'Veon Bell. On a pure talent perspective, there's no question in my mind, Stephon too, it's top 10. It's just up to him to prove it now exactly how high – in the top 10 he goes. So I like it at number 10 because it's safe. It says, hey, we recognize what you are, but yeah. you, can't, you can't go any higher than 10 until you play 16 games. Yeah. And now that'll move us to number nine on the list, Brett the Diesel Kiesel. <laughs> he's, like, he's like the anti-to-it. That's a funny pick. He's, <laughs> it, he's like not physically – not as physically gifted or as much of a wrecking machine, but insanely consistent and reliable. He's, yep. he's like the anti to it. So that, that's funny and a good pick, man. He was so crucial to so many of those really good Steelers teams. And, I mean – I don't know if it's his beard that puts him over the top, but honestly when, when Brett started or when he first started with the team, he was, he was a backup for a long time. Yep. But when he finally got the start, he showed he could play – he could make plays. He could get sacks. He could force fumbles. 
I mean, the guy was disruptive. And, and of course, he was a run block. I mean, run tackle. Yeah, yeah. He, run. he plugged holes. He was a monster on that as well. Perfect for those systems that they were running, absolutely. And another guy, to, to link back to the very beginning of our conversation, a guy who may not have ever made the team if – if rosters were had to be trimmed down to 75 throughout training camp, very yeah. much, yeah. very much a story of working himself through proving himself and just being reliable. So yeah. Brett Kiesel's the man too. <laughs> How can you not like him? I know he's got great personality. Number eight on the list. Another Lord. guy. I mean, this, this guy, Aaron Smith was, if you, if you had the pleasure of watching him play, in the in the nine, late or uh, into the early aughts, I mean, the guy just did everything technically perfect. Wasn't the big guy, biggest guy, wasn't the fastest guy, but uh, he's a guy that even Bill Belichick stated over anyone else on the Steelers defense, you had to plan for Aaron Smith. Dude, wait. Too low on the list, Sean. Aaron Smith is too low on the list, Sean. I know who's above him. I can think of some of the names for sure, but. He's Aaron Smith was like five for me probably. Yeah. This yeah, is way too low. There's no question <laughs> to me that he, that he doesn't belong that he belongs on the top ten list. I mean Aaron Smith. Oh, has, absolutely. And that was a reason also why it's a lot of our playoff years got dis- derailed because he got hurt. Yep. Uh, the one year entering the playoffs and then we lost to Jacksonville and then he got hurt the next year in the Tebow game in the first half. Yep. So we weren't getting to him in the second half and obviously didn't get to him in overtime. Yeah, I think and it was. Peck too, kind of like to it, kind of the pectoral triceps issues yeah. he had. So very, very similar in that way. But dude, Aaron Smith, like you said about Belichick praising him, that all yeah. of his teammates say the same thing. Any of the yeah. Steelers from that era always just praise Aaron Smith, especially Kiesel. And that's you, a talented team. Yeah. That roster is huge. I mean, you got you know Hayward, you got the cornerback, stacked. The linebackers, which were phenomenal, they're stacked. Teams. Yeah. But yeah, but Aaron, that says a lot. It says a lot to the the, the type of player that Aaron Smith was. So All right, let's see who you got above him, Sean. Ooh, Ernie right. Holmes going back to the steel curtain. The first. Yep. They had to start coming at some point. Yep. So the first player, the first steel curtain member named Ernie Holmes. I mean, you can't go wrong with anybody on the steel curtain line. Ernie Holmes being a huge run disruptor when it was a running league. I mean, and he is a huge part of, uh, it looks like, three of those uh, Super Bowl wins that they had. Yeah, I mean – he deserves on the list for sure, and he was certainly overshadowed on that team, much like Aaron Smith and Kiesel and those guys where, you know, you're, you're part of these incredible defensive units. Some people are going to get left out, and Ernie Holmes certainly one of them. The dude, more than just his play on the field, the thing that sticks out to me when I think about Ernie Holmes is his mentality. The yeah. ferocity that he brought was definitely a huge factor in that intimidating Steelers defense of the 70s. So his personality, I think, was just as important as his actual play. I'd have a hard time putting Ernie over Aaron Smith, Sean. <laughs> okay. I'm with you there. Well, let's let's move down to number six and see where we go. Uh, all right. Hayward. Now, Fair. this is obviously a guy that is not only still on a roster, but he is our defensive captain. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that this is a home run pick and still number six. You can argue where he is, but his career's not even done yet. So if he takes this team and this defense to the, the next level with a healthy to it, healthy Hayward wins the Super Bowl, he could be moving up the list as well. You can't say enough good things about Cam Hayward, man. Can yeah. play play anywhere on the line. Like you said, he's a captain. He's a leader in the locker room. He's you know winning the, jeez, oh, 
I can't remember what the award's called now for like the the friendliest with the media every year. Oh, he, yeah, is that the Dapper Dan? I don't. I can't think of it now. <laughs> it's it's like might be the Joe Green Award. It's sad. Oh, okay. Up, so the I don't know. One. I was talking about the local one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but regardless, yeah. I mean, he he's just exactly the model that you would want for the Steelers and what he's been for this team consistently. He's so underrated. Yeah. You no. Know, uh, doesn't get the respect he deserves league-wide at all. Well, I think he does. He's starting to earn Pro Bowls now. So that's in, in all pro nominations. So that, that's he is starting to get recognized. The problem is it took him a while to recognize him. But you've got to think this is a guy playing in a 3-4. Th- so he's one of three down linemen. And we know as far as ends or interior, it's like they're lucky to get seven, eight sacks a year. That was oh, like Aaron Smith was a monster getting seven, eight, seven, eight sacks a year. Yeah, yeah. Cam Hayward sure. getting nine, ten plus sacks a yeah. year. So yeah. that's how good Cam Hayward is. It's like he's he's taken this whole what it is to be a three, four lineman to a whole nother level. And Tuit even follows that. Tuit even tracks to hit those numbers if he can play a whole season. But yep. Cam Hayward being the guy that's always there and being locked in for us. I mean, it's it, to me, there's no question with his disruptiveness and his ability to force fumbles, his yep. ability to get sacks in situations where we can't send five, then that's, that's just a huge bonus for a team of the Steelers that need to get other teams off of the field on third down. Yep. And seems to elevate his game. Like when, when two, it went down, he came to life more. Whereas you thought, okay, this is going to be a problem for Cam because now they're going to be able to key in on him more. He just stepped it up. So I don't know. You can't say enough good things about Cam Hayward. You can't. So number five on the list. Now, we're probably going to start seeing some Hall of Famers here soon, but we'll see who comes up. Casey Hampton, big snack himself. Uh, Nice. Obviously, just like a a great, great person. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to see if there's a picture under it. Um, (laughs) But, like, probably the biggest player to ever play for the Steelers' defensive line. I love Casey Hampton, dude. <laughs> he was so fun. He was so crucial for those teams. Talk about everything Aaron Smith was able to do was a lot because of how much Casey Hampton would clog up offensive linemen and just, just plug up the middle like crazy. So Casey Hampton's the man. That picture of him, there's a picture of him like uh, dancing at a bar with his shirt off. One yeah. of my favorite, one of my favorite Steelers photos of all time. Casey Hampton's the man. Oh. Definitely top five. Whenever Whenever I first saw the list, I was like, Casey's got to be, got to be top five. Well, he's he was a big part for the Steelers making three Super Bowls during his era. Um, obviously, he was the first person to take two to three players on the opposing team's offensive yep. line out of the play on certain plays. Plus, he could get to the quarterback if you were only putting one guy on him. Absolutely, so he, this guy was just a. He was a load. He was big. He was athletic, even being at that size. So, you know, one of those guys that probably will never make a Hall of Fame, though he should, because the Hall of Fame does not value nose tackles. No, he doesn't have the volume stats. Like you said, there's no stat for double teams drawn, unfortunately. So if that was a stat, maybe he he would look amazing on that. But it's it's, he's a hard – pick for the hall of fame but i think anybody who watched the steelers throughout his career would recognize him as a hall of fame level talent yeah just i mean the honestly the only way you can kind of see his stats is if you go the next position group behind and yep. look at how dominant the linebackers were between those exact same years that he played yep and no matter what linebackers they were yeah. basically plug anybody <laughs> in and they would succeed yeah they did because he was eating up everybody in front of them absolutely so number four Number four, Dwight 
White going back to the steel curtain. For of sure. The 1970s team. Another great, great player on the line. Now it looks like they're probably going to have all four of them now if Dwight White made it too. <laughs> they have to. All four of them are here, yeah. Yeah, so I think we might be going back to back here in the next couple. But uh, do, you, do you know – how much do you know about uh, Mad Dog when he was playing there for the Steelers? I mean – I've done my research to a degree for sure. I think he, he, if you're ranking them, the ranking, the order of, of the steel curtain, the famous line is correct. Like he was set the third best or however you want to put it. Ernie Holmes being the fourth best Dwight white. And then the other two that I'm sure we're about to get to above him. So this is a good spot for Dwight white. It's hard, man. It's really hard to rank those guys because they didn't tally sacks back then. So yeah, that, that stats out the window. I know some people have gone back and tried yeah. to do it themselves but even still there's no like official count that i've ever seen so right so, here on, in this article it states that he had 46 unofficial and now he's in the tackle spot so i mean yeah. that's that's an insane amount of stats to have over a nine-year period for sure playing less games than the 16 we play now for sure to get 46 unofficial sacks i mean it's just yeah. disruptive though that that i mean that that just sucked to have to go up against the steel curtain anyway because <laughs> right who do you double team i mean you got Holmes, you got white you got the other two that's that what i was gonna say about probably here soon and it's, yeah yeah it helps playing four three defensive tackle for sure as well as the guys that were surround he was surrounded by you basically couldn't fail on those teams man they, they were just so stacked that if if Ernie Holmes didn't get to the quarterback, Dwight White would. If Dwight yep. White didn't, those two guys ahead yep. of him did. You just pick your poison with them. And now he, I just have to read this line because this is the best line to really, you know, show you the type of player that he is and the legacy that he had as a Pittsburgh Steeler. And he famously played in Super Bowl nine right after being hospitalized with pneumonia and losing 20 pounds in the hospital, recorded a sack for a safety, on Hall of Fame quarterback Fran Tarkenton, which were the Steelers' first points in a championship game ever. Really cool. That's Set an amazing. Home. That's I, an amazing fact. I love that. Yeah, so I, I love hearing the players coming in injured or have a story where they just come back in and they just excel. And that's just yep. that just speaks to the man that Dwight White was. He would not be denied of playing in his first Super Bowl, not only playing in it but making a crucial play that helped the Steelers start their dynasty. For sure. Yeah. That's beautiful. Nope. So number three, we probably got some more dynasty players coming up here. Hey, oh, there we go. Wow. There we go. Wow, Ernie Stotner. I love that pick. The guy that was the biggest uh, player before the steel curtain started on the defensive line. He was yep. the, the league knew that the Steelers were a bad team and were afraid to play against this guy. And the Steelers loved him so much and recognized how good of a player this guy was. They retired his number, and he was the only retired number for the entire history of the Steelers up until just a few years ago. And yep. we'll probably be talking about that guy here soon. I would say I would say that other guy's going to get mentioned at some point. <laughs> but uh, Ernie Stotner, man, very much like on the running back list, John Henry Johnson. Like you got to go back and really look at this guy and look at what he did and what he meant for the Steelers in a time when the Steelers just absolutely sucked. Like you said, just what he was able to do for that franchise meant so much. Dude was a beast. I think I like he. He's a guy that I could see transitioning kind of into a more modern. 4-3 defensive tackle he he has that kind of build and or defensive end excuse me yeah. he, he's one of those guys who seems like he was ahead of the curve like we talked about Le'Veon Bell being like a little bit ahead of the game Ernie Stautner was a little bit ahead of the game I feel like when I 
go back and look at what he was able to do. So very much deserved. I thought he was going to be number two on the list, but uh, I guess somebody else got it. We can. Yeah, I guess so. So now this is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because uh, it kind of throws out some of the ways I thought this was progressing as a younger person doing a uh, yeah. top ten list for Steeler history. But that's why that's why we're saying this is going to be difficult to find to put ten Steelers yeah. that we all agree on. So yeah. something's going to be slighted, and we'll talk about that next then, I guess. For sure. But number there two, I expected L.C. Greenwood to be yep. on this list. Uh, obviously, Stautner is a Hall of Famer. Uh, L.C. Greenwood is still not in the Hall of Fame. A lot of push to try to get him in this past year. Um, but he has the numbers. He was the other disruptive person coming in and getting those sacks on the opposite side of uh, the person who's probably going to be number one here on the list. He should be – LC should be in the Hall of Fame. I definitely feel pretty strongly about that. I I watched uh, Super Bowl Ten the other day. It was on YouTube in full, actually. The NFL released it. Dude, LC Greenwood should have been the MVP of that game. He had, like, four sacks yeah. in that game, I swear. <laughs> like, he, he was just so absurd. And, like, just talking to my dad and people who were actually able to watch him, a lot of people feel that he may have been the most talented player on that line. You know, I, we all know who number one is. But LC being kind of super underrated, like it's weird to say that anybody on that defense is underrated. But LC Greenwood is crazy underrated, and you you mentioned like the push to get him in the Hall of Fame. What's crazy is that anytime I'd ever heard LC talk about it, he's fine with it. He's fine yeah. with not being in. He said, yeah. "All my teammates are in. That's that's all the recognition. That's all I need. Like that mm-hmm. says it all to me. The fact that we're recognizing everybody else. So crazy character as well. And talk about." You know, Stautner kind of being ahead of the ahead of the game. LC Greenwood, like I said, go watch the tape. He looks like a modern edge rusher to me. Like he was so far ahead of the game, the way he played, his skill set and size. He's like six six. He just yes. he yeah, felt that's, different. Yeah. He Yeah, different than different. any other guy at that time. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like Ed Tutal Jones also being kind of like that lanky yep. uh defensive end coming in. But yeah, I mean it was really, really like interesting and different to see on a football field at the time before everybody started getting big exactly so lc number two i don't have a huge problem with it i'd probably put him at three and move stodner up but still you yeah. can shuffle it however you want yeah. yeah you can't really argue too much with that but number was- number one i think we can all agree on yeah every steeler fan knows because a lot of steeler fans still rate this guy as the number one player in steelers history yeah and obviously got his number retired as well mean joe green Huge career. The first draft pick by Chuck Knoll was Mean Joe Green, and that started the dominance then for the entire cornerstone of the Steel Curtain defense. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say about Mean Joe Green, man. We could we could stretch out another hour podcast out of just <laughs> Mean Joe Green, I think <laughs> right? so. I don't know. Like, I, I literally don't know what to say at this point. He, he In a list like this where it's so stacked, and yeah. you feel like, you know, you can debate. Like, I, I'm kind of joking around. Like, Aaron Smith needs to be higher and everything. But uh, you can't deny that Mean Joe Green's number one. Like, in a, in a stacked list, he's still by far number one, and that says it all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of the list. We got a nice shot here, the Steel Curtain defense, which is the way to end any podcast with the, just remembering the, the great history that it was that we had here with the Steelers and – and just just a, a fun thing to be able to go through. And then, fortunately, thank you very much to our Steelers writers, especially Sean McGowan there for the defensive lineman, Matt Piernick for the running backs, for giving Alex and I another thing to talk about. During this crazy time, we're still trying to hopefully have football coming back here soon. 
for sure. Did you just call me Alex, by the way? Did I? Oh, my Come God. On, I got to go back. Jeez. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> <geez>, sorry, Hunter. <laughs> I'll allow it. You know what? I'll allow it. Call me whatever you want. Yeah, I know. We've had it. We'd have enough of, enough of these podcasts together. You think I know your name by now. <laughs> yeah. I'll no, get it eventually, okay. kid. <laughs> it's, tw- it's 2020, man. We can just change our names. We can do whatever we want. This year's crazy. <laughs> Well, guys, you guys get it right. You got to follow Hunter on Twitter, on Instagram at Hunter A. Homestek. That's H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. Check out his website right there in, his, in the top of right-hand corner of his screen, homestek.com. Guy's a hell of a writer. Obviously, you know, he's a hell of a sports enthusiast, and he knows his stuff. So follow him and check him out as much as you can. And thank you again, too, Hunter for being part of our podcast. Of course, man. I love being on these, love debating the lists and getting down and kind of staying plugged into all the Steelers stuff, man. So I appreciate you having me. Anytime. Anytime. Hey, Steeler fans, make sure to come over to SteelerNation.com for the best football forum and Steelers news on the internet. Tweet us at SteelerNation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. You can follow our podcast at underscore SN podcast. You can follow me at SN striker. That's striker spelled with a Y. And also come over to the gear page, check it out. And this vidcast right here on our YouTube channel, SteelerNation.com. So come over to YouTube and watch the vidcast if you want to see what Hunter and I are looking at as we're going through these lists. This is a fun way to do it. And thanks for joining us at the SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G Stryker, with Hunter Homestek, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers! This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall, the teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars, and that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet excluding Internet Essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services.